1: What's wrong I got nothing for you What, what what's wrong you? <laughs>
0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome to The Reformatory, the podcast for the local church and by the local church, and we are your local churchmen. My name is Josh, and I am, lo and behold, back with my brother. Captain Jack is back in the house. He has returned from his wandering to and fro Mm -hmm. through the Mm -hmm. face of Europe, traveling Living his best life now, surviving, crossing the Tiber River. Yeah, you yeah. have. You <laughs> ha- yeah, well, <laughs> careful. Just so you crossed it, <laughs> just so you crossed it physically and not metaphorically, True. right? True. Uh Captain Jack is back in the house. The reformatory is back up to full strength. We are here, Jack, my friend. It is good to
1: see you. I feel like that whole. What do you feel like last week? Was like oh, the lead what, up to what, with Joe. <laughs> was like the lead up to Avengers Infinity War. Like oh, what? You know how like Captain America gets exiled. It's like I am coming back from exile. Joe, yeah. tri- if, Joe if, if tried. Joe tried to snap exile me out was of an instance.
0: Im- if exile was an impromptu <laughs> vacation to Europe, yeah, give me that exile. <laughs> oh, man. oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, Jack, I am glad to have you back. I am um, glad you survived. Uh you know Europe is not for the faint of heart what i hear
1: um Dude, it was it, it was pretty chill i mean you ride on good. you, you ride, ride on trains the act, sh- shockingly enough on trains <laughs> the the yeah. food is not terribly expensive over there um yeah. i will say that it's pretty crazy when we were in rome to be in like the roman forum area and you're mm. seeing like the depiction of the sack of Jerusalem on almost a 2,000-year-old archway mm. carved in there that's still kind of intact somewhat. Yeah. So it's just crazy to go. think about that. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, maybe someday you can take me, you know, and we and we can go over. We can do a little reformatory live from the Colosseum. Oh, my you gosh. Know, that would be pretty legit. Think the, col- the Colosseum think
1: is a pretty coconuts place. I mean, yeah. it's so... It's so archetype to every single football stadium ever. Oh, dude, we have modeled it. Yeah,
0: like our our modern day stadium, our our stadium football stadiums today are modern day coliseums. People just aren't killing each other in them <laughs> yet. Well, <laughs> yet looking well, at yeah. you, NFL. Looking uh, yeah, at you, that's NFL. True. Oh, CT. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're getting close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. When we when when guys stopped wearing the neck roll, that's when the NFL started going downhill. <laughs> Jack. Um, before we hop into the cigar review, before we hop into our topic, we we have to nerd out just for a little, just yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I nerded out a little bit with Joe. It was fun having Joe. Uh, it was a good time. Threw you some shade. Yeah. All right, uh, Joe. I want to say Joe did an excellent job pinch hitting, uh, and and in your stead. Um, but you know, give me some notice next time. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying we're we're we're, we're, we're just we're just airing this out in front of the family, <laughs> in front of our podcast family. Here's our dirty laundry No, I'm kidding. Josh all, is Josh is going to
1: send uh Josh is yeah. going to send a an assassin after me Godfather style next time and Yeah. There's some yeah. fish well, no, that'll, in a that'll be my wife something. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I'll just <laughs> I'll just true. make the request That's to my true. Italian <laughs> wife and she'll she'll handle it. You know what she'll say? You know what she'll say? <laughs> Forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, Jack the uh listeners, give Jack and I just a moment to nerd out really quick. The Mandalorian dropped. Oh, I saw it. It dropped that. today. Yeah. You saw it. I have not seen it. Here's my question for you. Yes. Okay. I want to know cuz I was I was wanting to do this before before I I hopped in to this season of Mandalorian. I was thinking of just watching the first two seasons cuz mm-hmm. it's two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, two. Of watching the first two seasons first, ripping through them so that it's fresh in my head until I hop into the third one. Do you think that'll make me enjoy it more or should I just hop right in?
1: Dude, hop right in.
0: Hop right in? It is, okay.
1: oh man. It's like, right. I hop I hop back into it. I think I watched like a, a video that kind of preps you to to watch the third season on like a different yeah. YouTube channel. But yeah. honestly, it's just like, if you've watched those seasons, it just comes back to you. And it's just like, whoo. It, it's that first opening scene wow all right. the opening sequence is money so all right good to
0: know all right i'll i'll hop in and then i think we'll have to do some um this might be a good time to maybe start recording some bonus eps for patreon uh just 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 throwing it out there uh-huh. right and talking and doing some doing doing some nerd stuff <laughs> doing some nerd stuff yeah. over on the patreon anyway jack before we hop into our topic today. Why don't you please give our listeners the Reformatory Cigar of the
1: Week. This Cigar of the Week is uh, an interesting little cigar. It is it's called... Interesting little cigar. It actually is, by its name, Little, uh, because it's a Petit Lancero uh, mm. for the Vitola, but it's called La Dueña. Uh, okay. It is by my father, uh, typically, or the Garcia family, or kind of within that realm of my father... And then also uh, Don Pepin Garcia. But this is made by Don Pepin's daughter. Uh, And the blend, if you're a huge cigar nerd, the blend was blended by Pete Johnson, who's the owner of Tatuaje. Which is,
0: again, every time you say it, I just have to say it's such a fun thing to say. Tatuaje. Uh, Tatuaje.
1: (laughs) Tatuaje. Sorry. So uh, it is a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper that is over Nicaraguan binder and filler. Uh, gotcha. Pretty typical stuff right there. I will say, this has a lot of sweetness to it of what okay. um, myself and another guy smoked it. So it is going to be, to a certain extent, some earthy tones, some chocolatey tones, but you're also going to have some honey, like this honey sweetness to the end of it. Mm. I just... It's kind of indescribable because the, the smoke output... It's really good. I mean the construction and everything is great, but I would say it's like it's a very sweeter cigar. Even though it's not trying to do that. Okay. I don't All know. Right. Something about it. It's very nice. The price on it is very good as well, too. You're looking at anywhere between seven to eight seven to eight, seven to nine dollars.
0: Oh, well, that's not bad. So okay.
1: Cool. Um, this is a very, I would say, good, affordable cigar. <laughs> really good construction from obviously people in the cigar industry that are absolutely bona fide. So
0: there we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that you heard it here, possibly for the first time. That is the Reformatory Cigar of the Week. Go and smoke to the glory of God. All right, Jack, you take a week off, man. You're you're. <laughs> You're back into the swing, easy, dude. You, like, like it's like riding a bike cigar for you. Reviews. Look at you, man. Like it's, it, <laughs> it, you know, it's like you never left. It's like you, it's like you never left. You're still here. You're still here. All right, Jack. So today we are going to be talking about. We're going to be continuing. We're going to be jumping back into our back to the basics series because we kind of took a break uh, last week, obviously with Joe Thorne. Did an episode on discouragement. Great at, by the way. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Uh, it was fun having Joe on. Um. But we're hopping back into our Back to the Basics series. We've got a few more eps in this series. Um, so it's not going to go on forever, but we've been doing this series now for a couple months. We've got a couple more eps. Today we are going to be talking about uh, the the regulative principle and the normative principle when it comes to the Lord's Day service. Now, these are very big uh, uh, theological terms. So we're going to break it down real quick. We're going to talk about what we believe is the most beneficial uh, out of the two, uh, maybe some pitfalls to fall in. We're just gonna, you know, we're gonna do our best to, to to cover it as as well as we can. But when we're talking about the regulative principle, and the normative principle, when it comes to the Lord's Day service, what we're talking about is how is your service structured, mm-hmm. and what are you utilizing within the service uh, when it comes to the worship of God. So, on one side, you have the normative principle, which is what we would see in a great amount of modern day—I'll use the term b- broadly—evangelical churches today. Uh, I think it was really popularized big time in kind of the emergent church movement. Early was that early two thousands? I feel like that was early two thousands. Uh, was kind of when like, did when did Rick Warren write that goofy book? <laughs> I would say mid to late 90s into the early 2000s okay yeah. all right all right that's what i thought that's what i thought um where basically the normative principle says that you can you can structure your lord's day service in terms of uh what you have within it what you don't have within it uh how uh, you know the the different the different pieces of worship together. you can you can structure that basically However you want. There's no regulation to it. Right. So you see a very wide spectrum of diverse uh, opinions, if you will, on what should be included in a Lord's Day service. Right. Yeah. And you see things from, uh, you know, gosh, man, like start list <laughs> and just- <laughs> name it spitting like, in people's faces and sure spitting in, in people's faces yeah 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 flags come out of nowhere uh there's like you know chanting and running up and down the halls right and that's obviously on on the extreme side yeah. um but but you have things being done within the lord's day service that don't have a place in the lord's day service right right i and and even to bring it um even more on the conservative side, and I'm talking politically here, mm-hmm. not convictionally, you have churches that um you know have gone so far to you know say the pledge of allegiance in their services right <laughs> or they have the big American flags in their services and there there's a political angle to it, right yeah, um, so it's not just the the uh uh, uh liberal folks as I think is often easy to <laughs> to, to mistake, right? Uh, the normative principle has a wide acceptance in a lot of churches today. And you see a lot of churches, a lot of leadership in churches basically viewing the Lord's Day service as something that they can do whatever they want in, however they want in, and they call it church. Yeah. Right. Um, Would you add anything, anything to that? It's 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 not a clinical definition, but it's more of a practical one from how we kind of see it lived
1: out. Yeah, I would say that you regulate like the extremes of regulative and normative would be extremely regulative regulative would be uh, what we see in like maybe certain Anglican High Church stuff. Um, Extremely normative is like man. What you see in the emergent church or emerging church, where you have like a a stool. Josh and I were talking about this uh, before the episode, like a stool and uh, a cl- a translucent <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> translucent like paper holder that you have usually That's for right. musicians like, or he's, something he's, like that. He's sitting on a stool yeah. surrounded by like young people
0: with a a transparent music stand, yeah. right? And it's just like, what what are we doing at here a here? Barnes
1: and Noble or something like at that? A- <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's in the Barnes and Noble. It like it's got to uh, In the, in the Christianity be. section. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah exactly. It's more like the, in the
1: cafe. It's in the corner right. of the cafe there. Um, exactly. So we would say that those are the two extremes. And then you have the spectrum of in between, really. I mean, right, right. now, I think what Josh and I see is some of the ridiculous, which is, uh, you know, you, you're using props and stuff like that in your worship time, or you're you're doing things that are just like, uh, don't do that. Like, don't yeah. get up and kick somebody in the chest or slap somebody in the face or do something like that to prove a point Um, versus a little bit more on the conservative theologically which is you go up there in the pulpit and you preach the word Um, and at most you have a a projector to like give you some slides for maps (laughs) sure maps and quotes maps maps and quotes (laughs) so that's what i'm thinking but yeah Yeah. i would say that that's kind of what we're looking at as far as like a spectrum of what we're talking about too so yeah
0: yeah so so jack and i wouldn't we wouldn't fall on the normative side just because they you know there isn't there isn't at the end of the day if you're going to take the normative approach of 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 worship the only thing that really dictates What you include and what you exclude from the Lord's Day service is popular opinion or the opinion of whoever is in charge. Right. It might be one guy right it might be the lead pastor or they might actually have some elders uh you know or or some sort of elder team elder board um but it is it is dictated based on just what they want the flavor of the lord's day service uh, to look like that particular sunday right and then obviously that changes depending on how they change right so we definitely don't fall on the normative principle side Jack and I would consider ourselves to be regulative principle dudes, and what we mean by that is that the Lord's Day service should be regulated. That Scripture uh, uh, gives gives clear a uh, uh, clear expectations of what the Lord's Day service should look like, right? And that we have the preaching of the Word, we have the sacraments, uh, rightly distributed. Right. We have the observance of those. Right. Uh, you know, these, these things that 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 scripture talks about the importance of another one singing. Yeah. Right. Corporate singing together. Uh, worship, worship songs, uh, psalms and spiritual songs to the Lord. Right. So we have these aspects and it's very it's very ordered. Now, obviously, and I think this is important to say, not every church that subscribes to the regulative principle is going to order their services the same way. Right and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? What we're talking about is 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 the sum and substance of what you are utilizing in your Lord's Day service, right? When you're bringing the people together to worship God, is it biblical? Yeah. Is it biblically supported and is it is it based on what we see in scripture and you're allowing scripture to be the thing that dictates your worship or are you allowing your opinion and kind of, you know, culture, where you want, you know, how, how you want to present yourself. There's, there's either scripture and then there's everything else. Right. And that's, that's just, that's just kind of where we're at uh, in the culture that we find ourselves today. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. On top of that too, even if, even when you look at like, um, a document, um, so Justin Martyr, who in the early church had this document that he wrote out called on the Lord's day. Mm. And it actually, he actually talks about what happened on a Lord's Day in the early church. And surprisingly enough, there was a guy that he names. This could be language that's coming through that's not like translating correctly, but he's like, the president of the congregation. And I'm like, whoa, 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 the president (laughs) of the congregation? (laughs) What? Um, How do we get that job? Yeah. Um, So he's talking about like there is an order like even if you look at those early church documents there is an absolute order to things. Um, There are hymnals being sung. There are songs that are being sung. There are psalms that are being sung. uh, And then you have the declaration of the word as well too. So and then even depending upon which church you were at sometimes they would do communion in the service or they would do communion at an actual dinner. Um, before that dinner time, if I'm not mistaken. So, this goes back, what we're talking about is not anything new. It goes yeah. back to the foundations of our faith. It goes back to, and it's backed not only by scripture, but by tradition as well, too, of what we're talking about. So, yeah. this isn't like we're riffing off the top here. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. So, yeah. The, so, so, Derek Thomas wrote a really good
0: article for uh Ligonier, um, and, and I had it here and I wanted to share a paragraph on what what he says, speaking specifically about the regulative principle. He says the reformers, John Calvin especially, and the Westminster, uh, 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 excuse me, the Westminster divines uh, viewed the matter of corporate worship differently than than those than the uh, uh, proponents of the normative principle, right? He says, in this instance, a general principle of obedience to scripture is insufficient. There must be and is a specific prescription governing how God is to be worshiped corporally. in the public worship of God. Specific requirements are made and we are not free to either ignore them or add to them. Typical uh, by the way of formulation are the words of Calvin quote, God disapproves, Of all modes of worship not expressly sanctioned by His Word, right? And then he goes on to quote the Second London Baptist Confession, sixteen eighty nine, which Jack and I are all about. Uh, In uh, chapter twenty two, paragraph one, it says the accepted, excuse me, the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by Himself and so limited by His own revealed will that He may not be worshipped according to the imagination and devices of men nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representation or any other way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. Right, So right there we set and we confess with Derek Thomas, with John Calvin, with the 1689, that Scripture is the authority. And when we look to how we are to order a service, the elements of the Lord's Day service, we look to the Scriptures... Not the culture, not our opinions, and not our feelings as to how the service is to be ordered, right? And Jack, I don't know about you, but this, to me, is why... This is one of the reasons why I am a massive proponent of liturgy in services. Yeah. Because of the order that it provides. Yeah. Right? And the structure that it provides. Now, different churches have different types of liturgy and what I'm not advocating for is the same liturgy across the board, right But what you're going to see in churches it are aspects of liturgy in in every church that is doing things biblically right and, and and are using Scripture as the authority you're going to see aspects of liturgy in that service. they can't help it right uh, Some are just have some churches have more more of an intentionality when it comes to the liturgy that they put in. So I am a big fan of liturgy. I think it's not uh it's it's not something that, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they'll hear like, oh, liturgy isn't that a catholic thing? Like like we're not we're not catholic. We shouldn't have we shouldn't have a liturgy. Um which which just frankly isn't true, right? Right? I am I am a I'm a big proponent of liturgy. I think some something some of the Best services that I have been a part of within the local church body have been services ordered by a reformed
1: confessional liturgy. Yeah. And I would say, too, um, you know, you can structure that liturgy to make it look um, either more or less rigid, depending upon what your flavor is. Um, Usually what that sometimes involves, I would say usually a call to worship um, within that worship time as well too. Um, There will be, we do something in our liturgy called the gospel welcome, um, which is something that was done by uh, James Montgomery Boyce in his Presbyterian church and then picked up by Ray Ortland and some other churches as well too. We do that. And then we also do a time of greeting or, or passing the peace depending upon your denominational (laughs) point of view. And then uh, usually there's uh, some call and response times for us. We usually do them out of the Psalms, and then we continue our worship, and then we do the reading of the word, uh, and then we do uh, prepping for the Lord's table, and then the benediction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everything, we don't do an offering, surprisingly, which I am really happy about because I feel like the offering time is completely hinders everything. It just doesn't make sense to me to sure. put an offering time in a liturgy. If you want to do an offering time, we do that actually towards the end, um, where we do kind of like announcements and final things and everything sure. like that. Sure. So, yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that that fl- having not an offering time actually helps the flow of the liturgy better, in my opinion. And it's actually helped me worship better too on the Lord's Day, because I feel like offering is something that is a huge hiccup for a lot of people and um it's interesting cuz it has never us taking an offering portion out of our liturgy has never hindered uh the congregation from giving and even exceeding in giving so sure sure
0: yeah yeah and you know you know some churches some churches have it some some don't you know and and that obviously is a conversation that that you know every church makes f- for their own you're right i know some churches it's not a hiccup you know, just because of the culture that the church is in, yeah. and, the, and the way that the church is, and some it is. You know, I've been in churches that have done both. Yeah, I've been in churches that do do take an offering, and some that don't. Right, and I think you know, there's pros and cons definitely to all of that. Um, but I think what is very, I think what's most important to understand is that in in the culture that that we live in today, where basically truth truth is relative, and you can define it however you want, right? We've talked about this before. It seeps into the church, right? And we see this mentality of the local church and the Lord's Day service needs to be tailored to the individual if it's going to be effective, mm. right? And we see that, that mentality kind of throughout the entire—I uh, don't want to say the entirety—throughout so much of evangelicalism today, right? And what the normative principle does is it sets a standard and a structure— that asks the question does scripture permit this is this done in an orderly fashion is this sanctioned by scripture or is this something that you are you know pulling out of somewhere you know for some reason right so you have churches that put on these big dramas and these big plays right and <laughs> oh, and have you know have these have these skits and stuff like that before the lord's day service and and what what they don't realize And this is something that I think you can only realize with the help of the Holy Spirit is that they are actually adding poison to the medicine that people need. And what you win people with is what you, or excuse me, what you win people with is what you win them to. Yeah. Right. So if people are coming through the doors of your church because you do just a bang up job with the music. And it's just awesome. Like the music is kicking. You're you're hiring musicians to come in, and it is just it is a spectacle. You got the lights and the fog machines and the the you know the big screens. It looks like a a, a switchfoot concert, right? <laughs> if they're coming in for that, or if they're coming in for the big dramatic events, right? And you've got the plays and the skits going before service to always to illustrate the point of the sermon, right? I feel like I have to I have to say that, right? Or you you know your your service is known for just just being wild. It's just a party in there, right? People are screaming and jumping up and down and flags and chauffeurs and chauffars or whatever they call it are coming out of the woodwork, right? And you have all of these elements within the Lord's Day service. If that's what's bringing people through the doors and that's what's keeping people. Yeah. Then the second those things become irrelevant or boring. yeah. You either have to up the game or they're going to move somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And what the regulative principle does is it says, look, God is a God of order. Mm-hmm. Right. He loves being worshipped in an orderly fashion. Doesn't mean we have to be boring. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that our services all have to look the same. Yeah. But why are we there? Yeah. What's the purpose? Yeah. What are the elements of worship that are essential? Why Why do we gather on the Lord's Day service? What is the purpose of the Lord's Day Right. Why are we gathering together as a people physically and not in satellite campuses? Yeah. Why are we gathering together and not over Zoom and over Skype? Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. That's a big one, especially coming out of the pandemic, dude. Uh,
1: like, I will say this uh, to yeah. comment on that. Um, yeah. We're doing something interesting this year at our Easter service. OK. We're doing one combined service and that's it. Love it. And Love it. we're since our bill, bu- you know, our building is small ish. So we're sure. just going to meet in a sure. middle school down the road and honestly cool. our pastor's pitched that to the middle school staff and they were pumped about it. So it's like Sure. Well yeah, cuz they make money. <laughs> They're like, "Yeah. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, weekend money?
0: Yeah, yeah sure. give me that church weekend money, baby." <laughs> That's right. We love churches. We love churches on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. That's a cynical view, but I, you know, I'm sure it
1: had it had oh, something man. to do with it though. <laughs> but it was just it was good because it, there wasn't like I feel like so many people, so many people, characterize the Northwest in this way of, well, if you go and meet in a public school, they're just gonna shun you or something like that. It's like, eh, not really.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends on the school, I guess. I mean, I mean, I mean, look, in all those things, it depends on who's in charge. Yeah, You, you know, I mean, I'm sure some schools would and some schools don't. You know, it's not a, it's not a cookie cutter thing. Yeah, right. Which I think a lot of people, a lot of people view. Sadly, a lot of people just view. Issues through a cookie cutter blanket statement lens,
1: but we uh, go back and to we that. Can't do that, yeah. And but we go back to that idea of gathering together as one, and yeah. we're actually going. We're we're moving towards that, which is exciting, right. Uh, right. especially on Easter and celebrating the resurrection and doing that. And so, that's just something that's really uh, good, and if your church is moving towards that. I think that helps out versus you having five, six services on a Sunday. Yeah, because basically all those services are, in in actuality, each service you could plant a different church out of those services mm-hmm. if you think about it. Um, I think sometimes with us, we have two services just for the fact of like we don't have the space, so it makes sense for us to have two services to a certain extent. Yeah. But in this case, you know, that's a technical that's just a technicality because right. what we're moving towards is moving into this space of joining together as one single church with everybody gathered together at one service. So
0: yeah, yeah, and I think I think it, that's a hundred percent right, man. And I think what people don't, I think what a lot of folks don't realize is when they're comparing the two, they see the normative principle as freeing and the regulative principle as restrictive, and it's it's going to stifle worship. It's going to stifle our ability to 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 actually truly worship God in the way that 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 we like, right? And that's and that's important to us, right? But in actuality, what I have found, because I've experienced a flavor of both, yeah what I've found is that the regulative principle actually provides the freedom. Yeah. It it really does. It really does. Because with the normative principle, man, when you're doing things just kind of at the, you're at the whim, like like we already said, of, of whoever's in charge, right? And there's so much more restriction because it's based on the individual and not God, mm-hmm. right? Whereas with the regulative principle, you have the elements of worship there, right? But it's so much more freeing to know that I am worshiping the Lord in the way that he desires and not being coerced into a style of worship that is based on the desires and the whim of the quote unquote worship leader. Yeah. Right. Or the lead pastor. Right. Derek Thomas ends this article with an amazing quote. And I want to, I, I, I want to read it here. He says, what is sometimes forgotten in these discussions is the important role of conscience. He says, without the regulative principle, we're at the mercy of quote unquote worship leaders and b- bully pastors who charge non compliant worshipers with displeasing God unless they participate according to a certain pattern and manner. He says, to the victims of such bullies, the sweetest sentence ever penned by men are, and then he quotes from the Westminster, <laughs> all right, <laughs> chapter 20, paragraph 2. All right. The sweetest sentence ever penned by men are God alone is Lord of the conscience and hath left it free from the doctrine and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith or worship. So that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commands out of conscience is to is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requiring of an implicit faith. And an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy the liberty of conscience and reason also. And he says to obey when it is a matter of God's express pres- prescription is true liberty. Anything else is bondage and legalism. That's good stuff, dude. That's, yeah. Westminster coming in strong that's, with that uppercut. That's some
1: theologian right there. That's right? some theologian right there. So. It's
0: good stuff. And 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 that like you exp- that freedom that he's talking about, the freedom of conscience, right? That is found in the regulative principle of 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 worship, right? We want our services when we come to the Lord on the Lord's day. We want to know that we are coming to Him in a way that He delights in. Yeah. There is such freedom in that to know that these elements of worship, when we sing, when we pray, when we read the word, when we hear the word preached, when we take the Lord's supper, when we give of our tithes and offerings, right, this is ordered in a, and structured in a way that pleases the Lord. There is such freedom in that because you know th- this is this is something that the Lord has decreed that he loves, and it's not coming from the whims and the fancies of a fallen leader. Right? Yeah. It's it's just it's it's so encouraging when you compare the two how the critiques of the regulative principle that it is old and stodgy and it restricts or it it's actually the exact opposite. There's such richness and such freedom found in it because you know you are worshiping in a way that the Lord delights in, yeah, and that the freedom that that gives to be able to express your worship uh, in freedom of that truth, man. There's, there's nothing like it. Like we, we love an orderly worship.
1: We <laughs> because God loves it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> man, I think Big Eva has sung, sir. Has she sung? <laughs> I think that. I think that's all she wrote. I'm sitting here. I'm running out of energy, dude. I got this. I
0: got this Mountain Dew energy. Oh, jeez. It's this Mountain Dew. Look at this. It's strawberry melon sharp. I don't know what flavor sharp is, but I feel like it's throwing me off my game. I feel like
1: I've just been bouncing off the <laughs> off the mental walls. This entire app, right? It, it wasn't like that one coffee that you had that one time, right? There was like six oh, the, shots. The,
0: the six shots, dude. Oh man, we were just talking about this uh, friend of mine at church. Uh, uh, Caleb one of our deacons. Awesome dude. He, uh, he brought that up. He's like, Hey, no, it wasn't Caleb. It was, uh, I think it was a guy named Jaron. Anyway, solid name, Jaron, dude. I I only know one Jaron. Uh, and it's at my church. (laughs) I've never heard that name before until I came to, uh, until I came to Redeemer. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. He's like, Hey, I almost brought you a six shot coffee today. I'm like, why? Why would you do that? And he goes, I'm catching up on the reformatory. I'm like, Hit that and I'm like, oh, one, you have a lot of catching yeah. up to do. And two, uh, he's like, yeah, I just wanted to see what would happen. He's like, if I bring you one next week, will you drink it? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if you want to see what happens, sure, why not? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Jack, uh, why don't you get us out of here, my man, and we'll uh, we'll wrap up for this week.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, if you appreciate us in this series on Back to the Basics and want to continue the conversation or continue following us via the sociables, you can do that. Uh, you can do that through right. the Facebook, the Metaverse. Meta. Um, I think it's going under. It's got to be going under. It's definitely going under financially up here in the Northwest, so I don't think it's sticking. Any case, you can follow us on the Facebook, the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. goes well with marshmallow and chocolate or mm-hmm. the more um, d- depraved form of the sociables the Twitter the Twitter the little yeah. bird site
0: yeah 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 <laughs> Joey uh, uh, Joey and I were talking about that last week that <laughs> Twitter is definitely the worst yeah.
1: <laughs> Twitter is the mob um yes but anyway you can follow us and continue the conversations that we have on those sociable sites at the tech at reformatory pod. Josh, you can tell the lovely people how they might support us in other ways as well, too.
0: Absolutely. There are multiple ways you can support the Reformatory. One is that if you are a old listener, if you're a new listener, if you're a listener in between, if you're catching up on all the episodes and you just heard us talk about me drinking a six-shot coffee and the the ramifications that had on my health, <laughs> uh, you could help us out by giving us a little rating on Apple. You can... Head on over to Apple, if you're listening on Apple, give us a little five-star action. Maybe leave us a little review. We'd really appreciate it. We definitely uh, appreciate that because what that does is that kind of, you know, it gets the podcast out to more people and it maybe kind of bumps us up a little bit to where uh, we fall into the recommendations of some of the podcasts that are in our recommendations, right? And that's that, 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 that's... That's how you know you've made it, you know, is when you're in other people's recommendations. I'm in your head. I'm in your head. I'm in your head. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So you can do that. Uh, You can head on over to Patreon. Jack and I are going to, uh, hopefully soon here, we're getting some of the details sorted out, but we are going to be doing some exclusive content. That's right. We're going to have a couple different tiers Still working out the tears and stuff like that, um, and then. Uh, but basically, we're going to be doing some exclusive content, some bonus episodes. If you want to hear Jack and I riff on the Mandalorian, if you want to hear us nerd out on all the nerd stuff, if you want to hear us talk about cigars and pipes and the things that we're getting into, and then also candid conversations. Right? You got candid conversations. Happen. There's there's a whole swath a swath, a bucket load, if you will, Mm -hmm. of things that uh, we will be talking about, and it's all going to be going on the exclusive content, Patreon supporters only. So if you want to get ahead of the curve, head on over there, support us on Patreon, and Mm -hmm. one of our pledges to you is that your name will be hallowed. Hallowed, hallowed. Hallowed through the holes of this podcast. That is our pledge to you as a faithful Patreon supporter. We thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you all on the next step of the Reformatory.